Auburn's Weagle 91.1 FM presents The Scoreboard with your co-hosts Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Follow them on Twitter at Jacob Hellman AU and at Bay underscore Marks. Now let's take a look at The Scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome into the scoreboard here on WEGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you into the program. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside co-host Jacob Hillman. Jacob, I know you're a little tired from that road trip you had last night, but how are you doing? I, I, you know, I'm not as tired as you think. I did get my eight hours of rest. I made sure I did that without having, I didn't have class today, early spring break start, but I'm feeling good and Ready to flip on the scoreboard. Well, that's good because Bruce Pearl's only wish for you students last night was to go to class, so. Did, didn't ha- did yeah. not have the obligation. Yeah, so, so there you go. Uh, a good night for Auburn Tigers fans, and Jacob was there to experience it, and we'll get into that today. Is Auburn at least clinching a co-share of the SEC regular season championship? We have that. SEC basketball talks. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into on today's show, so don't miss a second of it. If you want to call in and be a part of the action, feel more than welcome at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. Like I just mentioned, Auburn last night, the number five team in the country, holding on to that number one spot in the SEC ever so tightly, uh, winning on the road in overtime 81-68 to um, against the Mississippi State Bulldogs, who is a – they're a bubble team. Um, and, Jacob, to be honest, this final score doesn't really tell how close this game was. What a first half. What an overtime period. Goodness, what a second half. That, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's the way to look at it because – Auburn, Auburn had a big lead going into the second half and couldn't score for, for, for quite a while there at the beginning of the second half. And even when they started scoring, it was, it, 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 it was tough. It was tough, and Auburn didn't play perfectly defensively. I, I wouldn't say it was bad defensively, but it was not what you needed to do to make sure you get the win, to win on the road in the SEC. We talked about it. It's very difficult, and that was proven last night. Yeah, there was a lot of things in this game um, that – to really break down. And this game really seemed like it lasted the length of two games just with the amount of stuff that really happened. Um, Jabari Smith absolutely taking over in the first half. I believe he had 14 and 6 at the half. Jabari finishes with a double-double, 27 and 10. I believe that was his fifth for the year, but I could be wrong on that. Um, KD Johnson scoring 14 last night, scored 10 points in overtime. Um, And then Zepp Jasper, especially in the first half, I mean, 3 for 4 from three-point land. He had a great game, adding three assists and two steals. Um, a lot of Auburn Tigers contributing last night um, in that win. And I think in we can get into the game all we want, but in, in the grand scheme of things, I think this is like what Bruce Pearl said post-game on the Auburn Sports Network with Andy Bertram was this was probably one of the most important and best regular season wins he's ever had. And that has to do with the recent trend of, okay, Auburn's kind of underperformed on the road and, and Auburn did underperform in the second half, but to battle back in overtime, not not really battle back, but just just take it in overtime and do it the way they did was really impressive. And to do it to win an SEC championship makes it so much more special for this team, for this program, for Coach Pearl, and everyone around it. Because it's just, when that second half was rolling along, it just felt, here we go again. Yeah, it was it was bad. And obviously, this is a this Mississippi State team is not as good as Tennessee, or I would say not even as good as Florida. No. But Mississippi State at home versus on the road is completely different animals. I, I said I talked about winning on the road in the SEC is difficult. Mississippi State is even more so true because it's 
I don't know what it is. They can't win on the road. All of their wins come at home. Yeah. So they were desperate. They had only lost one home game this year, I believe, up to that point. Um, And with the way that Tolu Smith played last night, um, with Molinar as well, Iverson Molinar is one of two players in in the NCAA right now to score double digits in every single game. We have guys like that, plus Garrison Brooks, who had 10-8 and on his senior night, playing the way they did last night. I mean, that's really in the second half what culminated it to be such a tough game for Auburn was. Obviously, you saw Walker Kessler with the sleeve on his shoulder. That allowed Tolu Smith to really have his way with Walker. Walker only had four points. He still added 10 rebounds and three blocks, um, which we're used to seeing him do. But he was not as dominant, which allowed Tolu Smith um, to really impose his will. Garrison Brooks giving you what he has, that experience from North Carolina. And then Molinar was really a a matchup nightmare for our point guards, the way they've been playing defense lately on the road. Um, Which, in all honesty, they really held their own, I I believe so. Yeah, I I like what I saw from the point guards. Well, from what it was, you got to take small steps. Yeah, we're close to the tournament time, but you can't really make that jump immediately. You've got to take it one step at a time, one game at a time, and... See what you did against Tennessee? All right. Why was it better against Mississippi State? Let's improve on that going into South Carolina. But you talk about the big men for Mississippi State. Auburn was out-rebounded by a lot again, by 18. Yeah. Auburn had 32 rebounds, and Mississippi State had 50, including 21 offensive rebounds. Auburn only grabbed seven offensive rebounds. Now, now it does help when you shoot well from the floor. You, you shoot 45.9%. There's not a lot of chances yeah. at, at, at an offensive rebound, but still, it just – that that that's concerning to me because I really like early on in the years, like we know that Auburn is going to be fine on the boards. And lately, that's not the case. You you've got ten rebounds from Smith and Kessler, but what we've seen earlier in the year was how well Devin Cambridge rebounded. He yeah. got one rebound last night. Dylan Cardwell only got one rebound in sixteen minutes. I, I think those are the things that need to improve a little bit from from the recent trends. It's, I agree. It's not like it's been bad all year, just recently yeah. it's been rough. I agree, and and, that, and that's stuff that has contributed to those road losses. And and two other areas that I'd, I'd really want to point out real quick, Jacob, from last night that I think probably made the biggest difference down the stretch was, A, obviously Mississippi State did not make a single three-pointer. They went 0 for 10 behind the arc. Auburn went 10 of 26. The second thing for me – or excuse me, they were 0 for 13. The second thing for me, um, Auburn's bench outscored the Bulldogs – Bulldogs is bench twenty three to ten. Um, only two guys off Mississippi State's bench scored. Auburn having plenty of scoring coming off the bench. I mean, offensively, Dylan Cardwell had a great game, six points, eight for Wendell. Jalen Williams came in and played valuable minutes as well. I think that's what's going to be as Auburn closes out the regular season on Saturday, goes into Tampa, and then wherever for March. That's truly, to me, what's going to be the biggest difference is the depth that Auburn can rotate at. Well, remember earlier in the year when the Auburn bench was scored. 30 to, I think in one game they scored 40 points. Yeah. That's so impressive. Now, of course, that's when Wendell Green is just going off, scoring 25 points. But you don't necessarily need that every night. You right. you, you, you need Wendell to come in, get, get double-digit points. Uh, I would say close to 20, and you're feeling good. He had eight last night. I'd I was like about to see, say. I'd like yeah. to see a little bit more from that. Th- three for 12 is not what Wendell's looking to go And, and with the way the road games have gone lately, I think that, to me, is why this is so valuable against Mississippi State last night, to clinch that regular season co-share um, we have not seen Auburn's bench play well on the road lately. It's really kind of just been Jabari, Walker, maybe a guard here and there. But the bench last night for me um, was kind of my the most impressive thing for me because Auburn that's Auburn's last road game of the year. Auburn's done. Auburn has one home game, and the rest of their games are neutral sites. 
um, pending what the Auburn crowd versus whatever the other crowd is. But my point being, that's what's going to be important is March is having a new guy step up in the bench stepping up. And it's also only Wilson basketballs the rest of the way on out. So if Ooh. you're if you're part of the Nike basketball suck uh, tribe, then yeah. Then that's good too. The only genocide I would approve of is the Nike ba- <laughs> the Nike basketball genocide. Just get they're rid terrible. of those. Yeah, they're horrible. We do need a universal bath. I mean, it's postseason. Well, it, what, what well, do you use in postseason? Let's use it in the regular season. Well, I know football. Football has Nike footballs in college, and Auburn uses Wilson footballs. Does is is there a universal collegiate baseball? Is it? It's not Spalding. Good is it Spalding? Good question. I don't. Well, I do. I wouldn't know. I I do know that they have the SEC stamp ball, so the league uses the same balls, right. I believe. So. That's an interesting topic. We that, look that, that is interesting. But that's, yeah, that's get, some fun research. Get rid of the Nike basketballs. Uh, but back to the bench play. Yes. Like, th- all these guys understand their roles. That's the thing. Joe Williams knows what he's in there to do. His, he doesn't fill up the stat sheet, but he's in there to, to handle the basketball a little bit, make good passes, and maybe knock down a three like he did last night. Dylan Carwell's in there to play good defense, uh, fill, the role as best, fill the role of Walker Kessler the best he can. And he did that last night. I mean, my, minus the one, the one rebound, that's the one thing I'd like to see improved. Scoring six points and, I mean, heck, two assists from Dylan Cardwell, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. And then, obviously, Devin Cambridge, same way. Go in there, knock down some, uh, knock down some field goals, and, again, the rebounding is something. It, that might be a consistent theme, which I hope it doesn't become one, but starting to look like it possibly could be. So, we'll just see. Uh, I just want to see a high percentage from the bench whenever they score. Uh, if Wendell Green goes six for twelve instead of three for twelve, that makes a world of a difference. Yeah, for sure. I I think the big thing too with Wendell last night is those seven assists. Um, team high, obviously, it was also a game high. Um, I I think that's what's going to be the most important thing for Wendell is is the nights that he's not scoring as much. Just like last night, he only had eight points. Those kind of nights is are the kind of nights where he's going to have to be able to pass the ball well, which he can. We've seen him do that, and and. The road struggles Auburn has had, one recipe in those disasters has been Wendell Green being off, whether it's shooting or passing. Um, and again, last night we saw another prime example of Auburn basketball in the final seconds, like just absolute brain fart or misdesign. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't that's know the thing. We don't know. We don't really. Know, we don't really know what it is. Uh, it, you can look at it. You can try to analyze it as best you can. But like I said, we don't know what it is. And it's hard to guess and hard to tell. Even even like when Bruce when Bruce Tall's post game, they, they probably didn't talk about it post game. I, I haven't heard the post game press conference yet, but he probably probably didn't talk about it because there, there was more overtime happened. So it was kind of you kind of put it in the back burner. But we we remember it, and who knows what it could have been? It doesn't really. Matter. I, I just it doesn't really matter. It needs to improve. Yes, and I know the coaches know. I know the players know. Yeah, and it, it it's frustrating because it just keeps happening. Now, of course, we have seen some good end-of-half possessions uh, so far this year. I think it was against Ole Miss. Wendell had a great one where he, he set up the offense, he saw what he needed to do, and he drove to the hoop, scored a layup. We just haven't seen that lately. Like, like the possession last night just didn't make any sense. What I liked was that they got the ball to Jabari. Yeah. But they put him in the worst position possible to do so. So, like, I just really did not understand what was going on in that last possession. Yeah, I, I – and again, like you said, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, with the way the game played out, it's just, it's just like it, like who knows? Like in Arkansas, like you get a better possession or a better shot, like overtime may not happen. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. <sighs> but anyways, we're moved past that. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get them in the SEC tournament. Like, 
at least a we'll co-share. talk about that over the next break. Yeah, or over the next segment. But at least a co-share helps that pill go down a little bit better. Uh, a banner will be raised in Neville Arena. Maybe not Saturday, but at some point there will be a banner raised. That'd be quick work if they. Already I, have no, one ready. You never know. Don't don't doubt this Auburn athletics department. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be a big game. But that's gonna be a game that we also get to on the other side of the break. One last thing that I want to point out. Um, about this game was just another showing by the fans. Uh, yeah. We keep talking about <laughs> Jacob was there. Uh, obviously, if you don't know by now, which I, I don't know how the heck you don't know, Jacob's a jungle, <laughs> Jacob's a jungle president um, in the Auburn Tip-Off Club, graciously uh, granted two buses worth of jungle students uh, to have the opportunity to go uh, to the game. And somebody, I forgot who it was last night, so I cannot give them credit, said that in his 20-something years of covering college basketball, the Auburn fan presence at last night's game um, was the most impressive thing he's seen from a visiting fan base in his tenure as a as a writer. Yeah, it was the 24-7 reporter from Mississippi State. And like, like I said, I cannot remember his name, but 24-7 reporter from Mississippi State said that. And it, it's true. Like, what what happened last night was awesome. I mean, we've talked about witnesses this year, but like... And the thing is, is like, and, and I'm not, I, this is going to sound like a shot at Alabama. It's not. Like, you see that from Alabama going to Starkville. Makes sense. It's like an hour drive. Whereas Auburn's like four hours on a Wednesday at eight o'clock, that's crazy. We got back at like three a.m. last uh, this morning uh, on the bus. That that's when we pulled into the Neville Arena parking lot. Was at three a.m. and uh, I hope everyone made it to class. And like I said, I didn't have class, so I was fine. But I hope everyone made it to class. And it was just it was a really cool experience. It was really cool to see. Obviously, when the game was well in hands, Mississippi State fans were clearing out. Auburn fans were filing their way downstairs. And that was so cool to see everyone get to celebrate with the team and the team just being so happy knowing they clinched to share the SEC championship with all that support on the road. Because it's been consistent all year. And I know it's going to continue into the postseason because what we saw in Tampa back in November before we really knew what this team was about, it's going to be multiplied by a lot. When you've got a full week, you got spring break, I can't wait to be in Tampa next week. Yeah, we, we've talked about road witnesses this year. I mean, at Alabama, that was incredible. Um, I mean – seeing people at Ole Miss in the pavilion, even people driving down to Gainesville. Like, I mean, I know that was a huge Auburn crowd, but just somehow I mean, the crowds just keep getting larger and larger for Auburn on the road. Even um, the Tennessee game, I think. Even Tennessee, yeah. big one. I mean – Oh, yeah, for, we forgot about Georgia. And Georgia. Georgia was the big one because it was so easy to get tickets to that game. Yeah. It was easy to get tickets last night, too. There were plenty of empty seats still. <laughs> That's unfortunate. On the other side of the break, Auburn – is looking to be the number one seed in Tampa. We're going to talk about the closing out of the SEC regular season, seeding, and what the outlook may look like in Tampa going into March Madness. Do not go anywhere. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. This is March here on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com or maybe you're listening to a replay on your podcasting platform, however you're listening, Spotify, Apple, Transistor, who knows what it is. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as the Tigers are currently, for sure, co-SEC regular season champions, hoping to make that outright SEC champions on Saturday with a win. Over South Carolina, it's, it's deja vu a little bit. Our senior year of high school, it was kind of the same deal. Clinching scenario against South Carolina, and now they have a chance to do it again. But we're going to look at a little bit of the scenarios with the top four as well 
as a little bit of next week. There will not be a scoreboard next week. It's spring break, so I'll be in Tampa. Bay will be at the beach. We'll be we'll be ha- we'll be enjoying our spring break. So we will not have the scoreboard next Thursday, but we'll be back the week after that. Well, actually, heck, I don't know if we'll be back the next week after that. We might be traveling to hopefully Greenville, South Carolina, yeah. or something yeah. like that. But we we'll have fi- to do a scoreboard on the road. We'll we'll figure something out anyway. Besides the point, the SEC tournament slate not really settled yet. It isn't at all because really the five through ten seeds are absolutely crazy. One through four and then eleven through fourteen are all set, correct? Not like not th- th- set. those four will be within those four. Correct. Yeah. Five through ten? Yeah, not yeah. At yeah. All. No I'm pretty idea. sure the ten seed could be the five seed. By yes. The end of this yes. Time. Yes. Because Alabama is five, or they were last night. Um and after their loss to Texas or they put up a graphic, it was like Texas A&M could be as high as five, and Alabama could be as low as ten. Like, right. It's just it's nuts. It doesn't make it. It, it makes SEC, sense, but we just don't want to think about why it makes sense. SEC basketball fever, and I'm glad this is the updated version versus what it was about a decade ago when it was just Auburn beating Alabama like 49 to 37 with Cam Newton in the front row of the jungle. That was <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a, that's like a fever dream. That that's a fever dream for you. But right now, based this is from Josh Dub on Twitter. Uh, if you don't follow him, he's a He's a great guy to follow if you like numbers and uh, and kind of nerd stats, kind of like Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. But uh, this is the bracket projection uh, based on projected wins, not tiebreakers. So it, it's different. But right now, uh, focus on Auburn. Auburn's the number one seed. And the 8-9 matchup would be Texas A&M and LSU. Pretty two, favorable for Auburn. That's what I was going to say. Two yeah. teams that Auburn only played once and – Obviously, it was at Auburn Arena, but they blew them out. Easy. Uh, Texas A&M does not match up well with Auburn. LSU game was a little interesting just because Auburn got out to, like, they, didn't, they scored one point in nine minutes, I think. Yeah. So, looking at it that way. But, of course, heck, we could end up playing Florida again. We could yeah. end up playing Mississippi State again or Alabama. It's just who knows what's going to happen. But it, it is – what I'll say is the LSU game is favorable because we already beat them, but – it's not because look what they did against Arkansas last night. Yeah. Arkansas had a battle they, for that win. And it's crazy because LSU this year has been 3-8 and eight on the road, um, and they might be a dangerous team in Tampa because they're also 3-0 and oh at neutral sites. So, What were those neutral sites? I, I don't know. Uh, it was that um, over in Utah, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a Thanksgiving tournament. It was uh, When we were in the Bahamas, it was at the same time. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And, it's, and, and that's the thing is with these neutral sites, I think it also matters the arena. Yeah. Now, and let, let me, let me not to not to be negative, but Auburn didn't shoot well in uh, in Tampa. Yeah. Back in November, but that was also back in November, third game of the season. I think Auburn had a whole week off. Yeah. Because yeah, the ULM game was the Friday before, and then they waited another Friday. So could have just been cold and whatnot. But third game of the year. You yeah. Know, just... It's not not in the rhythm. Yeah. But yeah, I want to look at the LSU game a little bit from last night and just talk about how. I'm not I'm not saying this is a bad matchup, but when you look at what Tari Eason did, twenty four points and seven rebounds at the forward position, it makes you think. Makes you think because this was a game where uh uh uh, uh Reed, uh El- Efton Reed, he got in foul trouble and he came off the bench and really played well for LSU to keep him in this game. LSU was tied at half and then lost by one. So I think Walker Kessler would be fine against these two guys. But I also think, who knows? I think Walker has to get healthy. Um, that is true. We, for we didn't him. even mention that. Biggest thing for Walker. Honestly, it's like, like, like unless you just absolutely need him Saturday, it's like, don't play him as much. 
like get them a few minutes and get them out of there. But anyways, um, LSU also I think a big thing for me is going to be the variant uh, variant veteran in uh, Darius Days. He scored 19 last night with six boards and three steals. I think that him and uh, Jabari that was an interesting matchup earlier this year when they faced off in Auburn Arena. A Jabari that really hadn't was starting to kind of break out of his shell at that point um, and flash his potential. I think that could be an interesting matchup, especially with how hot Jabari's been lately. Um, Darius Day is a guy, a guy that's a veteran that has been to the SEC championship mm-hmm. before. Um, that'd be something that I'd look out for. Well, that's something else we didn't even mention was LSU was the SEC tournament runners-up last they year. They were. Against a t- an Alabama team that was playing really well. Yeah. I, I think LSU play it, put them up against anybody else. Now, granted, they had Trendon Watford and a few other guys True. that are in the league now, but it's still, guys like Darius Days, I mean, Will Wade, as much as we may not like him, he knows how to recruit and coach a basketball team. And, and yeah, he might have some help on the recruiting edge, but uh, Xavier <laughs> Pinson, the transfer, I mean, I really like his game. He went 5 for 21 last night. It's not very good. But I still think that, oh, I see why. 0 for 7 for 3. That, that'll do it to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that'll do it. I really just think that this LSU team is finding its stride. I but think I so don't too. think they're going to find it enough to make really damage in the SEC well, tournament. And BWA, you got to remember, not a lot of people make it. They've only lost one game in BWA this year. And it was one point Arkansas of Vanderbilt. Hills. Yes. So, one point of Vanderbilt. So do that about, what you Did will. we talk about that stat last week where combined between Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Tennessee? They've only lost two home games? One. Or one? It was yeah. that Vanderbilt game. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to happen. Especially yeah. when Scottie Pippen's on the other end playing really well. So. Yeah, I'm not worried about LSU, but I am well, probably sure not want to play them. Yeah, I'm sure keeping my eye on them. Yeah, that could that could be a team that does some damage in Tampa. So the other teams that are battling for position in the five through ten spot: Florida projected to be the five seed, Mississippi State the ten, South Carolina the seven, and Alabama the six. And how crazy is that that Florida? I mean, it's it's because everybody's nine and eight or eight and nine, but like Florida is just like a five seed right now. Like a well, team that we were talking about just now a few weeks ago. On the bubble, a win against Auburn could potentially puts them in contention of being a last four in team, and now they're a five seed in the SEC tournament because they're nine and eight. Like, that's how things can turn. That's I'm in conference play. I would not want to play Florida. No, I don't want. Oh, with the way Colin Castleton handles Walker Kessler, the best defensive player in college basketball. I mean, I think Castleton is honestly the perfect kryptonite for for Walker. I mean, it's, like, it's I hate shown to say twice. It. It's shown twice. I hate to say it, but like. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's not a knock on Walker. No, it's just like, as much as like I cannot stand Castleton, <laughs> like with everything in me, it's like he knows how to play Walker. So you, you that's a matchup nightmare. You respect the game. Now, they don't have anybody that can guard Jabari. We saw that in Gainesville. Um, but in even in Auburn Arena, that was a close game that Auburn does not want to replay. No. I promise you. No. I mean, what? see, I think Auburn jumped out to a – Decently sized lead in the first half. Not, nothing too crazy. But it shrunk very, very smallly. Because of Castleton. And the, the final score does not indicate how close it was. And it's funny because it, 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 you can see the difference between Walker and, and, and Dylan when he comes off, off the bench. Only against Castleton. I think a lot of things that we talked about this season is whenever Dylan comes in, it doesn't really change a ton because you like the energy. You like the way he plays. It's a little bit different. So it doesn't feel like a big drop-off. But when Dylan comes in against Colin Castleton, you you see the difference. Yeah. And, you know, as I said, not a knock on Walker, not a knock on Dylan. It's just this Florida team knows how to get the ball to Colin Castleton in the right positions. And we obviously know Colin Castleton's a great player, and he knows how to score the basketball. Yeah. 
I think I think that that could be a very dangerous game for Auburn if if somehow in this madness between five through ten, um, if Florida dropped down to like the eight or the nine, whatever whatever may happen. Um, yeah, three, three teams at nine and eight, three teams at eight and nine. You three three teams out of these. There's six teams right here between five through ten. There's three of them I would not mind playing. There's three of them I would not want to play. Yeah, those three not wanting to play would be Alabama, Florida, and LSU. Teams yeah. I would not mind playing: A and M, Mississippi State, or South Carolina. I can agree with that. To be to be completely frank, I mean, I, I kind I agree with that. And the thing is, we're obviously going to find a little bit more about South Carolina on Saturday uh, for, for when Auburn hosts them. But A and M and Mississippi State, as I said, it's just uh, uh, no. A yeah. and M does not match up well against Auburn. No, Mississippi State does not. Now they either. Did, they did get a huge win last night against Alabama, mm-hmm. which me and Jacob before the show talking about them Mississippi State. Um, they face off Saturday in Reed Arena, I believe, and that's a potential bubble game. Like, going into the tournament, like, you win that game, you win one or two in Tampa, you might be in the field of 64. Yeah, let me, I'm going to look up uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology and see where he has uh, Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Because... I don't know where he has them, but I, while you're looking that up, I do remember him last night on SEC Now telling Dari Noka after the Auburn game um, – he just kind of expressed the importance of that game and what it meant to those two teams. Yeah, because I don't, I can't, I haven't found them yet. But thing is, one team because when they're both like that, it's like one team's gonna get a big one, the other team is gonna suffer a blowing loss. So, I mean, that's gonna be one of the best games to watch on Saturday, just because both teams are gonna be desperate. Yeah, and it's not, it's not bad to be like that. No, this, it's just that this is March. Th- this is March for sure. Uh, speaking of brackets, we'll update Auburn. Auburn's in the two spot. Oh, this is, this is interesting. Against Colgate in Greenville, and the seven and seed seeds are Michigan State and Miami. Hmm. The one seed in the bracket, Kansas. Ah, three seed Villanova, four seed Illinois, five seed. Interesting, Arkansas. I would not mind playing Kansas. I don't hate this bracket. You know what bracket I? I think we've talked about it. I, what bracket I would hate? Texas. Anything with Texas Tech or Purdue. The Midwest would hate that. Yeah, the Midwest right now. Uh. Well, actually, the Midwest right now is Arizona and Kentucky at the one and two, and the three seeds Wisconsin. I think that Texas Tech and okay, yeah, Purdue is in the West on our side uh, in the because West and East are matched up, and then Texas Tech is right around. No, I can't find them, but oh no, they're the three seeds. So yes, we're just oh we're do, do we want a one seed? I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, Peacock. Do we? Yeah. Okay. Fair. That you have. You're right. You have no peacock energy lately on this show. Yeah, you're at right. all. Well, my point is, is that okay? Let me phrase it better. I want a one seed, but how? If if Auburn gets a two seed, now this is uh, okay. If Auburn wins out, yeah, uh, absolutely. They they better get the one seed. Yeah. But assuming Auburn loses like the SEC tournament championship or, or in the semis, in the or semis, something. then like they'll get a. Two. How bad does it hurt? They how bad does it hurt? It doesn't hurt me. Like, I don't. I don't think it's the end of the world. For, for for that. And I don't because not I think this is really I think it's a dumb kind of just I don't like looking at it this way, but the target on the back thing, I don't care. And that's part of the peacock. It's like I You I, want somebody's best shot. I'm not I'm not here to be like, oh Auburn always plays better as an underdog when when no one when no one's talking about Auburn. It doesn't matter. If the best team wins, the better team wins. Yeah. And this team is not one that like that matters at all. No. This team is just out there playing basketball, having a great time. And it, it, it's really it's really something that's going to be interesting to see how the tournament shakes out. And I hope the Tigers get it done in Tampa. 
That's going to do it for our SEC basketball discussion. Next time we talk, we're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament and March Madness. But on the other side of this break, Major League Baseball lockout. It's official. Games are getting canceled. We'll talk about it on the scoreboard on the other side of this break. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back to the scoreboard here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back into the Harold Melton Student Center, where the Weagle Studios are located. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman and special guest for the last half of today's show, Mr. Jack Hart, Mr. Compact Discourse, Auburn Hockey, Mr. Tiger Paw, whatever you may want to reference Chief him of as. Staff. Yeah, he's got plenty of hats. Mr. Jack. Shaker, <laughs> Mr. Bus Leader. See, I still think the Mr. Sh- like, I don't think that's your top. Like, that's awesome, but like, that's not the that's not the number it's, one thing. It's below like the two third mark on my resume. It's yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 a fun thing, but it's, like, it's not on my work experience. It's nah, on my fair. special skills. That okay. That okay. he's quick with the hands. I so like the that. movers and shakers of Auburn Arena are in the uh, <laughs> studio with you right now. There you go. Yeah, the official jungle Neville leadership Arena staff on Saturday. But anyways, Jack will be joining us for the rest of today's show as we get into the talks of the MLB lockout. Yes, the MLB lockout has continued, and the MLB has canceled the first two regular season series um, of this year as they have yet to reach an agreement with the MLB Players Association. Um, Quite simply, I mean, to, to put it in, in the simplest terms possible, it's it's hard to take a side besides the players. Um, but this this is an issue that probably should not be an issue right now. And yeah, and I'll and I'll disagree a little bit because I do think that we're at a point where, you know, the players they keep saying, Oh, we want and when I see the deals, I understand why they're declining them for sure. But I also feel like the players are being a little stubborn. I agree. So yeah. so right here, the the owners want an expanded playoffs. I as much as someone that's like, oh, I like, I, I think the MLB postseason is perfect. I, I agree. I really don't think there's needs to be any adjustment. Well, they just changed it, didn't they? Well, I think that was part of a COVID thing. It but was, is that a permanent deal? Well, no, because yeah. the this past season didn't was, use that. Okay, back to normal. Was, okay, I didn't weird. know if they were going to reincorporate that or not. Right, I, they're I, trying it's, to. Okay, it's something similar because I think on the table they want a fort, uh, fourteen team playoff, yeah. maybe. And 14 the, or 12. The, the COVID was was 16. It was top eight from every mm-hmm. uh, from from both leagues. Gotcha. And okay. I and the thing is, the owners are all saying, okay, we'll also reduce the season to 154 games. But what the players are looking at is the TV revenue. And uh, and the thing is, the, it's the owners, uh, or the teams, the teams and the owners. They are the ones that get the TV revenue, where the players only get a portion of the gate. Which, whenever they're playing those postseason games, a Freaking three o'clock in the afternoon or one o'clock even, or on a Tuesday. Eleven, if you remember that. Yeah, true. Trevor Bauer Braves game. Yeah, that's true. I was on the way to Birmingham for that, listening to that on the radio, just dreadfully. Thankfully, and, they protested that by no one getting a hit until a decent hour. Right, <laughs> and I really just think that it's so that that's where I'm. That's why I say I kind of disagree. Oh no, I mean I understand. No, it's yeah, just, and that's the thing is like I'm not even like sitting here like making a strong statement on this. It's just like, I kind of disagree, but it's like, also I'm like, this is a ridiculous like, no, thing I, that the owners are asking for. And I'm like, I back the players there, but I'm also like, good Lord, we're, we're it feels so petty. I just feel like, especially after everything we went through in 2020 with, with the NBA had already had their plans of the bubble, getting back up and running, and they forced MLB into, what was it, 60 games? Mm-hmm. 
60 games with seven innings and, and whatever, and, and, the, and the format we were talking about just now with the playoffs, uh, I the, mean. The, the extra inning rule. Yes. I mean, all the all Weird the divisions. Yeah. The stuff that we went through in 2020 with the MLB and, and now this before 2022 even gets kicked off, I mean, I guess the only positive is the Braves' reign continues. I mean, it gets <laughs> stretched a little bit longer. And the thing but is. But at what cost? And you mentioned forever. the COVID thing, and it's like, to show you, I mean, just to show you how, like, dysfunctional this league is and the owners and Rob Manfred, baseball should have been the easiest sport to get back going oh, from yeah. COVID. Yeah. Basketball, it's an indoor sport with the weight, like, it, they figured it out. Yeah. Whereas Major League Baseball. Baseball had more delays than any other sport when they got yep. back and up and running. Yep. I don't know if y'all remember that or not, but like, it was oh, yeah. so dysfunctional. The, it was so bad. Uh, the Cardinals and, at the hotel bar incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And it and it keeps rolling over, rolling over every single season. Something new with Manfred, the owners, or some controversy with a player. It's so dysfunctional, and it makes sense that they just can't come to a deal. No, yeah. I, that kind of leads me to, to a point that I want to make, and especially knowing you two and, and, and how much y'all love baseball, I really want to get y'all's takes on this. If it was up to you, like it was your sole decision, would Rob Manfred be the commissioner of baseball after all this? I mean, the easy answer is I mean, no. The I'm, easy answer is no. And, and yes, and and I understand that. I think it's just not yeah. only the way it's been handled by yeah, me. That's a big move. It's a big move, and also just like I think it's also the manner in which he has handled all all, all of this drama that's happened. Yeah, like that that screenshot of him. I think my at the press, press conference, like, like, come on, man. Come on, man. That's not the right image you need. And I understand, like, it's one screenshot from a video, but like, that's that. That's not that's not how that works. That that's not how that works. When you're out there canceling games, when fans are so dedicated, when the players are on social media the way they are, uh, talking about how they just want to play, you can't even let that slip up. Yeah. Even if it was, like I said, completely out of context, whatnot. It's just. It just leaves a bad, bad image, a bad image on him and on entire the entire sport of Major League Baseball. I think somebody mentioned the other day that uh, it's the page it's on Twitter. It said pictures that precede uh, unfortunate events, and it's a screenshot of a tweet of 2013 that said something like, Rod Manfred has been selected as the 13th commissioner of baseball, <laughs> like from a, a reporter yeah. or something. Um, I digress. But I, I think it's a horrible look on – him and the and the fact that he represents Major League Baseball itself, I think it makes it makes professional baseball look silly right now. Well, and another thing is just how things are treated from top to bottom. The thing about minor leaguers and yeah, like things like on. that. It's just come on. This sport's been around for a long time. It's a pastime. Exactly. Americans and, love baseball, but there's also a reason it didn't. Be, it's, it was not the most popular sport in America past 1965. Yeah, because yeah. the NFL's surpassed it with ease in the way they handled things, the way they made the game more entertaining. And talk about growing the game. This is the complete opposite. Yeah. We, we've we've gone backwards instead of progressing forward with the way that baseball is being played. I mean, now, granted, with the way – with as long as baseball has been around, you're not going to get much progression in it. But, right. so, like, I mean, especially the way that other professional sports like football, basketball – You're not going to get – you might not get much progression, but – you want to do what you can to not regress. Yeah, and they've done just that. Yep, because I, I I, promise you there will be people that just don't. If they're a casual casual fan, they might those two weeks might be enough for me. Like, oh, like 
I wanted the opening day stuff, and it's just like, I'm not going to care that much this year. As soon as you halfway don't care for a season, then you're not just, fully invested. It, it carries on. It carries on and gets worse and worse. So I saw a report. I don't know if it was passing or not because he's been all over it, of course, but somebody reported that they think the season may not start till mid to late May. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, what, what progress has there been made in these talks? None. None. I think there was that one report late at the, right at the deadline. Like, oh, there might be a – there was no – no, no. We weren't even close. The, the analogy was they were on two sides of an ocean, and every meeting they were taking an inch forward. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean there was no progress being made in those meetings. Um. Uh, something else, the players want to see tanking addressed. Uh, this is from an SB Nation article. Uh, the Orioles have been a prime example of tanking in recent years, benefiting uh, – befit- Benefiting from landing top draft picks, I think, it's, yeah, benefiting from landing top draft picks and benefiting from the league's revenue sharing. All this while only playing their entire roster, paying their paying their entire roster forty two million dollars, one hundred million dollars less than fourteen teams in the league. Ouch! And we talk about the tanking in the NBA. I think MLB and tanking football. is worse. Football tank I, for two, huh? Yeah, and I think the thing about football is it's only over a year. Yeah, so it's like. After a year, it's kind of like... And then when you get, like, 10 games into a season, and it's like, okay, things aren't going well, it's like, okay. Baseball, Seven games yeah, is fine. You manage a lot more bodies in baseball. The Orioles are doing this over, like, half a decade, at yeah. least. Yeah. I think it went, when it, at the year after they last made the playoffs, just everything just went yeah. plummeting. Yeah. I think it's also a lot more prominent in baseball. It shows up. It's a lot Not more true. visceral because of the volume of games that get played. I believe if you want to go back to 2019 and look at those standings, you had... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams that had either a hundred wins or a hundred losses. Wow. Yeah. And I think that shattered the previous record of I think back in two thousand two there were four or five. And in one year you have I mean, teams teams where games past the all star break don't even have a chance of mattering for teams like the the Marlins and the Orioles who just Roll up to get pummeled, and then you're you're upsetting the balance of the league by giving a team a win by playing a team that isn't competing. Yeah, but we do see good examples like the Cardinals and the Nationals. Uh, the Nationals won the world won the World Series. The Cardinals last year they didn't end up making the playoffs, but I mean they were I mean close. They sh- yeah, they were dang close with the way they finished that year out. Right. So it's it's one of those things where again, is that that that's clearly the owners, that's the managers a little bit as well. I don't know, man. Well, just to be lighthearted, like I said, if this is the end of baseball, at least the trophy stays with, with the Braves. Yeah, or the last trophy there. That we'll is. get to see it uh, at uh, at yeah. Plainsman Park yeah. in two weeks, in perhaps a March twenty sixteenth. Yeah, is it that early? it's it's in the teens, sixteenth okay. or nineteenth, maybe the, the final commissioner's trophy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that will be at Plain. Maybe Blooper will be there. Blooper and I'll be together. That's that's what a scene. Yeah, let, speaking of lighthearted, let's let, let's talk about that a little bit. Now, like, yeah, this, they... this reminds me. There's a uh, there's a really funny episode of Seinfeld where George is trying to get fired from the Yankees, and everything he does to get fired <laughs> backfires a, on him. And, and, yeah, it gets promoted. <laughs> and there's a scene where uh, he has a megaphone. And he's hanging out the window of his car, just dragging the commissioner's trophy behind him and <laughs> yes. cursing out Steinbrenner. And that's what that's what this whole situation really just feels like. <laughs> That's man, a, man, that's, for it, man for it driving around in the parking yeah. lot. That's a great In Jupiter, Florida. Connection. That is a great connection. Did you see the protesters in New York? No, goodness. Outside not. of the commissioner's office? Right, it's not it even might, there. It might have been MLB offices. I, I, it was one of those two. He's not even there. Yeah. Go to Jupiter. Hey, Barstool can make a killing off some Manfred clown shirts. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> oh, well, gosh. I don't think, I don't know if, I don't know if Portland wants to get on that side of, 
of Manfred like he did Goodell. Goodell won't even accept his donations anymore. Well, anyway. And to think we thought Goodell was the worst commissioner in all professional sports. No one cares about him anymore. Nah. He gets he, moved he, to the draft. He's and just kind of there. On. Yeah. Yeah. But, but speaking of Auburn baseball, like we were talking about just now, <laughs> we'll get into that on the other side of this break. Talk about some Auburn baseball and softball. Two teams on the Plains with some very hot starts to their seasons. Don't go anywhere. Bay Marks, Jacob Hillman, and special guest Jack Hart live on the scoreboard. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Auburn baseball, Auburn softball are fully underway off to great starts this season. The Tigers baseball team won over in-state team UAB 16-1 to last night and as well as softball in Atlanta against Georgia State. Got a 9-0 run rule victory in six innings. And look, th- this softball team has a lot of firepower. One more non-conference weekend hosting the J&B Moore Memorial, uh, North Carolina A&T, as well as Toledo in town and Chattanooga. Also, on Saturday, if you have a men's basketball ticket, head out to J&B Moore Field. Your ticket will get you in. Your men's basketball ticket will get you in to oh. J&B Moore Field for free. Good. So, good and, of course, if you're a student, eh, that's no, no concern nah, at all. That's free anyways. Exactly. So, again, you might also hear a familiar voice on the broadcast on Friday and Sunday. So, maybe tune in for that as well on, uh, on the Auburn Tigers app. But I really do like what this team is, has to offer. Uh, as the last weekend before SEC play starts, A&M comes to town, March 11th through 13th. And this is going to be an important, important series for the Tigers because the SEC slate does not get easy. No, it does not. And I think the, the biggest thing for Auburn's advantage is the first two SEC series are at home. Like you just said, Texas A&M, the 11th through the 13th. And then uh, they host South Carolina the following weekend. Uh, the 19th through the 21st, a Saturday through Monday series. Um, so I think it's going to be important for Auburn to keep their momentum rolling, get off to a good start in SEC play, because, of course, as we know, the SEC is just as deep as any other conference in college softball. Right. Um, I mean, excluding Oklahoma, which is about to be SEC. Some True. Pac, some Pac-12 teams God, like UCLA. Gosh, that, that, that hurts to hear, to be honest. <laughs> Oklahoma softball in the SEC. Woo. Is this what you wanted, football fans? No! Is this what you wanted? Anyway. Also, what I like from this team is they're playing a lot of road games uh, for in midweeks. At yeah. Jacksonville State, 10-0 win. At Georgia State, 9-1. I said 9-0. It's 9-1 in six innings. And then do it again next Wednesday at Alabama State, just a short drive over to Montgomery. But Shelby Lowe, Matty Pence in the circle are doing really well. Freshman, uh, or I just talked about Michaela Packer first. She was SEC Player of the Week last week. She sure was. Batting 480 this year. She does it all. 10 for 10 on stolen bases. And a little bit of power, too. Five home runs on the year. Like we said, she's the Ronald Acuna of Auburn that softball. Is, that is a great comparison. Yeah. Great comparison. And then, obviously, you got a freshman. Uh, you got Bree Ellison and, uh, and uh, Aspen Godwin. Power. Last, yeah. last Sunday, back-to-back pitches, back-to-back home runs. Yeah. So, fireworks being shown at J&B Moore Field. Let's move down the street to Plainsman Park, where the Tigers are off to a good start. Uh, seven and two overall. Uh, lost to Yale in the second game of the doubleheader uh, back on uh, or two weeks ago in extra innings. Right, and you know, I, I like what I see from this team. I do. I really do. I think that uh, the pitching has 
I think what what I like is that both 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 sides of the baseball. I don't know if that's how you should say it. The bats are in a good spot, but plenty of room to improve. Same with the pitch. I think the pitching has a little bit more room to improve, especially out of the bullpen. Uh, some leads have been blown, but it's nothing too drastic. It's not knock on wood. Nothing like Boston College last year so far. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've liked out of Auburn baseball so far in this seven and two start. Um, besides Sonny DeShera, who was your National Player of the Week last week, um, I mean, having three home runs already this year, um, I think I like the fact that we've seen a lot of arms on the mound for Auburn. Um, in these nine games so far, you have seen Butch Thompson. Um, he has not been hesitant in trying to get some arms in there, get some guys back out on the dirt and grass, getting them ready for league play. Um, we've seen guys like Mason Barnett, who's been in the program for a few years. He started the last night. Pitched for five innings, only gave up two hits and an earned run, and struck out eight with no walks. A very impressive start from him. And then several guys coming in like Alsup Grasnow. Garrett Wade is another guy who I'd be interested to look out for. Um, he was a, he, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, he was drafted out of high school, was injured his first year yeah. at Auburn, and uh, he's really just now healthy and getting back out there. I know he struggled his first year at Auburn, but I truly believe that's going to be a good pitcher for Auburn coming out of the bullpen. Well, that's the thing is, like you said, drafted out of high school and then just injuries derailed him. Yeah. So you got to hope that. He's back and has to make adjustments because that, that's that, as a pitcher, when you get injured that way, it's going to be really tough to come back and be exactly who you were before. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops this year. Uh, as far as other pitchers go, Trace Bright, yeah, real impressive. Yeah. Real impressive. And then Jordan Armstrong, a newcomer, real impressive. Yeah. Tommy Sheehan, the grad student from, from Notre Dame, uh, he's got to work his way back kind of like Garrett Wade does. His elbow is not – what I don't know it it's not it's ready but he can't throw a lot of pitches yet yeah so he's got to really yeah. build that work up. the stamina up. exactly and whenever he does that he has a chance of being a Friday starter well and it, and if you haven't been out to Plainsman Park yet this year Weagle does send riders out there and one of them this past week for the midweek games was Jack Hart what what have you seen so far that you really like out of this this Auburn baseball squad this year Jack um, it's good. The midweek games what I have to say about them is that they really put the team in a lot of uncomfortable spots. And a lot of situations that you can't account for. I think on Tuesday we saw a drop third strike, get thrown to third, leading to some heads-up base running by, I believe, Casey Howell, who was on second base. So that's something you can't account for. <laughs> that's something you might not see in conference play. But if you do, hey, you saw it before and you were ready for it. So in a situation where you're at home, you've got the crowd behind you, you're playing a team of lesser prominence, it, it allows you to I – mean, it's what a get-right game is all about. I mean, as much as we – like to talk about the midweek games as taking forever. They're important. They're important cuts for the guys, and I think you saw that on Tuesday and yesterday. I know Drabick got came in in relief. He tossed five strikeouts. Um, Nate LaRue, who you most of <laughs> yeah. you guys know is a catcher, yeah. he came in and threw a, a scoreless eighth and ninth inning. So, I mean, it's, it's good to put guys in situations where they're uncomfortable because you can't get better if you don't face adversity. Right, and I, and I like the point you just made earlier about the crowd being behind you because this has been – the strongest crowd I think Auburn has had under Butch Thompson for, for the first few opening series that they've had. Um, it was the largest home crowd in a few years, I believe. It was largest under Butch Thompson, I believe. Uh, since 2013. Yeah, so largest under Butch Thompson. Um, another thing that I wanted to point out, too, was I mentioned Sonny DeShare, who's a veteran. If you don't know, he's been at Sanford for a few years. He is by no means a true freshman. Uh, New. But veteran guys stepping up, another one being Kaysen Howell this past weekend with a walk-off home run against Yale. Um, I think that's going to be important for Auburn because Auburn is playing a lot of new faces this year after a lot of seniors left last year during um, their time at Auburn. So 
I think it's going to be important for guys like them to step up as league play uh, slowly approaches. Still got plenty of non-con games to go. Well, I mean, another newcomer that I've talked about a little bit is Blake Rambush. I say he has yeah, you're high on him to be the best leadoff hitter in the SEC. He's playing yeah. third base. Tuesday, not a great showing against Alabama State. One for five, but then he bounces right back against UAB. Goes three for four, scores a run, and knocks in two runs. Knocks in two runs as a leadoff hitter. That's that's something that you like to see. But he means the bottom of your lineup is also uh, doing really well. So what I'm looking for, Cole Foster down at the eighth spot. Yeah, is it interesting? He's not. He doesn't have a great average right now. Let me look at the correct. I mean, two fifty. That's fine actually. Uh, I think he probably not. He probably boosted it the last few days. Yeah, he did. But it's not. It's kind of like going back to softball. Carly McConaughey, she's a nine hitter. It's not because she's a bad hitter. It's just because having someone down at the bottom of the order just to spark something if you need it is great to have. And Foster does exactly that from the switch side. Man, on Tuesday, he hit a 415 home run, a 415 foot home run that a bomb. I thought was going to the hill. Yeah, the hill. <laughs> Somewhere Maybe past that. Maybe past that. It was a no doubter right off the bat. Yeah. Um, another guy, too, that had a good game the other night, Cam Hill. Um, Brad and uh, and Paul were just ecstatic about the way he was playing in the game the other night as well. So, so I, we just can't even speak about the several bright spots that they've had, along with Auburn softball, obviously. But um, Auburn baseball, again, off to a very, very hot start. Auburn baseball, Auburn softball, Auburn gymnastics tomorrow night has a chance to share an SEC title. Auburn basketball has a chance to win it outright on Saturday. What a weekend in Auburn Athletics. You've listened to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM with Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks. This has been The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.